You've yes. you've been you've been digging, Al. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. <laughs> digging in meat and potatoes on this one. This is really, really exciting. This is probably the most exciting one we've done on the movie that's the boom. This is this is my holy grail. This is it. This is your the holy grail. Your Moby Dick. The great white buffalo. Great white buffalo. <laughs> It's too bad she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah. Then again, who does? This podcast is like any other uh, other podcast. If it's a, it's either a benefit or a hazard. If it's a benefit, then it's not my problem. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Media Monsters on a very exciting special episode about Blade Runner, which might go on for far, far <laughs> too long. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get you through it quick. We're getting in all the all the nasty details. We love we love this movie. All three of us. Uh, I we am... get one of those special openings with those graphics that say <laughs> special episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, this whole thing. The CBS special. The, yeah. The CB... Yeah. Which is oh, what a good parlay, dude. That's a great parlay. Or or what about different strokes? Yeah. <laughs> On that special episode of different strokes. We're talking about Blade Runner. Damn it. Um, we are talking Blade yeah, Runner tonight. So... <laughs> In case you didn't know, uh, I'm Nick. Uh, I'm joined by Alex and Jim, and we're going to talk yours off about uh, Ridley Scott's 1982 classic. So I want to say this real fast. I think that it's so befitting that we're talking about this. We're talking about uh, Ridley Scott, and I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you've seen the the Napoleon trailer that yeah. dropped. Holy hell, dude! What a that trailer! Looks good. That looks good. It's, a, it's amazing. the The cinematography looks great. It's just that's that's an exciting thing. And I think it's just great that, you know, on the day that we're going to talk Blade Runner, we're going to talk Ridley Scott, that that's the trailer I see today and get really excited about a movie about Napoleon. Isn't yeah. that weird? Well, I was trying to figure out if that Napoleon was um, the kind of scraps of Kubrick's Napoleon that he was trying to make. But I, I think I heard something recently that Spielberg's doing his own, like, take on that material that Kubrick had already kind of had for pre-production on that movie so napoleon's the hot subject which is really funny because <laughs> I guess he, so because it, it, in speaking about this you know why napoleon keeps his hand in in his shirt the whole time right because his hand is cold no why his hand his hand is gold in the time bandits steal that oh. <laughs> but no just that's just so befitting of of the, the type of science fiction that we got you know in 82 um that really incredible practical effect um, yeah, science fiction that was just so raw and so uh, English to an extent, um, and not Americanized um, bullshit. So, yeah. it, it, but it's just so like just that 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 feeling um, in Blade Runner just just had it that raw that rough edge to it, and that's it's, let's well, just go, man. Let's yeah, get cyberpunk, into it. Let's cyberpunk get... in general is a very kind of British idea. I mean, I think uh, Judge Dredd. 2080 comics all that was like also yeah. very british but this is yeah it is you know what's crazy is that like no other movie i think including 2049 looks like the original blade runner like there there is there's no it, other movie that looks like this so let's take a bit, fifth element tries to be very much in that same neighborhood it's brighter 
It's always like, like it's daytime Absolutely. and the nighttime and always raining makes such the difference in this movie. Yeah. And that's great because we'll get into that. But th- let's let's t- I guess the best place to do to I guess the best place to start is let's just start from the beginning on this one. Because the truth is that Blade Runner is 82 it gets released in yeah, 1982 in- uh I have June 25th 1982 the same day as the thing. Both there you both of these movies kind of failing in the wake of ET. Yeah, which really we, sucks. We've talked about it, and I, I'm dying to talk about this one. Is the summer of '82 was was probably one of the greatest years. Tron, Wrath of Cinema. Khan, Poltergeist, Poltergeist, Conan the Barbarian. Just amazing, amazing film that gets released, and these are just really spectacular pieces of of cinema. Um, yeah. Even it, you know, even if you want to say, like, I guess you can say the first part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe gets released with Conan, because we all know that Conan <laughs> is a Marvel property. <laughs> but the the thing is that eighty two was the year, man. Eighty two, summer of eighty two was the year. Was that Raiders or when was Raiders? No, Raiders was eighty one. Well, whatever. It's so it's, it's good enough to be in eighty two. It's good <laughs> enough to be in eighty two. So everything's falling in the wake of Raiders. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay. But this this is that that core group of movies in that at that time is is just what makes the 80s movies so amazing. Uh we're coming out of the 70s and we're really getting into the roughness of the 70s and the rawness of the 70s. We're really getting into the sp- how amazing the cinema is in 82 and you again this is a classic piece of a movie that just failed miserably not miserably just didn't it, it just didn't perform the way we it, it it's performed over 40 years yeah and calling it a failure in the cinema when <laughs> the truth is that this is this is regarded as if not top 3 top 2 top 5 science fiction movies of all time yeah it's yeah. the most influential well it's it's and, definitely but, needed a little bit to get an audience though i mean like it's it's the same thing as the shining it was like the you know the shining was very poorly regarded upon release but then people were like oh wait a second yeah and it's just it's it's so funny that you keep we've now mentioned kubrick we've mentioned fifth element the and i'm going to come back to those points this movie is absolutely amazing to me for those who don't know what Blade Runner is, Blade Runner is a movie that's related. If it, then I'm sorry, dude. Like, come out from the here. podcast, go watch it, and come back. Yeah, like if you, you don't know what Blade Runner is. We're not explaining it to you. Go home and watch it. <laughs> yeah, You're welcome. Quick synopsis: Guy gets hired to kill it to track down a bunch of killer robots and uh, kill him. But no, that's that's the that's, that's the, the very that's very a, very simple version of it. That's the that's the worst the worst uh, synopsis of a movie. Basically, it's it's about a gentleman who is a Blade Runner, which is an extension of the LAPD, who tracks down replicants, which are androids um, who, who are meant to serve, and they've come back to Earth because they want to extend their life because they only have a four year life lifespan. And his whole the job for you know, the job for Blade Runners is to kill them, but it's not called killing. It's called retirement. It's basically it's it's the story of one gentleman who has been pulled out of retirement, who was, quote unquote, the best at one time. Um, he's been brought back to find six replicants 
<laughs> who have <laughs> jumped in depending on depending on the version you watch. Yeah, yep, depending on the version. Yep. No, it is six, but you know, but you know, depending how many are, like you said, the version you watch, it, they've they've jumped an off-world ship uh, in the off-world colonies. The off-world colonies are basically where the rich and famous and the wealthy live, and they've all. When you buy off-world, kind of like timeshare, you get your own robot to serve you. The chance um, to begin again. And that chance to begin again. And that's so funny because you say that and all you hear is you hear that you hear the hum of, yeah. of the of the blimp. Um it's yeah, you hear must, like the the like uh like a foghorn the Asian lady in the like coke that you will never oh my yeah. god. Oh, yeah. It's like that that like yeah droning sound. It's so strange and it's Very like nasally. mysterious. Yeah. So this is you know this is not my favorite. Uh, a rundown of people that are in the movie is you have Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, if not, it's not that it's one. It is one of his most iconic roles. This is uh, prime time Harrison Ford. This is when he's in. You know, this is after Empire and, and Indy. Empire yeah. is what this is, 80? This is post Star Wars right? and Indiana Jones. This is what yeah. he does. Yeah. So he's this is this is Harrison Ford, um, main character. Uh, Sean Young plays Rachel. Uh, Rucker Hauer plays Roy Batty. Uh, he's Ooh. one of the heads of Roy Batty. This is this is my favorite Rucker Hauer. Um, my absolute favorite. How couldn't Rucker. it be? My God, Dude, I mean, such a I not the wrestler. No, no, he he played uh, not the hobo with a shotgun, but he's <laughs> just Roy. He plays he plays the head of the replicants. He's the leader of the group. Daryl Hannah's in it. Um, she plays his sidekick, Brian James. Uh, Brian James plays Leon. Um, dude, I could go on and on and on. The the list of people in this movie: Edward James, almost. Yeah, me, James. One Hong. of my James Hong. These these are some of the best roles these guys have ever played. Rucker Howe is such an amazing bad guy in this movie. The only thing that he, out up tops is crazy is when he's in the Hitcher, and <laughs> and he's absolutely insane in the Hitcher. But this is absolutely the best role that Rucker Howard's ever played. He is absolutely amazing. He is fucking cool as shit. He is probably one of the biggest reasons why when I used to bleach my hair out, why I wanted to <laughs> light was was you know, unfortunately I started I started doing it when when Eminem hit, but <laughs> absolutely the reason why I why I wanted white hair was because Roy Batty was such a bad ass bad guy and he's just amazing absolutely stellar cast absolutely amazing movie this is a movie that it, it can't be summed up in one discussion this is going to be a lifelong discussion on why this movie is amazing it is absolutely some people love harry potter some people love star wars i love blade runner this is my holy grail this is what defines a genre and it's absolutely you can never say enough about this movie it's it amazes me every single time i watch it um i will always find something new i've watched it probably five times in the last four days and it 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 was hard to even try to skip through stuff that i had seen and i just will never 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 tire of this movie i may i may not watch it for a while but i will never turn it off if it's ever on that's the truth. There's there's so many different lenses you could view this movie from, and I was I was telling you before we kind of began recording that um, 
One of the most interesting ways I've ever seen this movie viewed from was I did a cinema and religion class in college, and this was the movie that we started on. And to view it from that angle is really, really interesting. To kind of view to to view Roy as this like human facing God, asking him, "Why do we have to die? Why do all of these?" memories and and things that we experience have to go forever when we go and those kinds of philosophical questions being asked in this movie is it's just so good like you could just talk endlessly about that like that that whole dynamic is just so beautiful and perfect and i think i've found like another very interesting dynamic uh that kind of ties back to the religious aspect that being that Deckard and Rachel are almost in an Adam and Eve, if you go along with the assumption that, as Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott have lamely now kind of blatantly stated, uh, Deckard is a replicant. And if you want to go along with that, I think the Adam and Eve comparison is is an interesting thing because they are, especially what what it turns out they they go and do in twenty forty nine, is that they they have a child together, is that you know. Take take that as original sin. They so are leaving. The... They are leaving the Garden of Eden when they do this, and this is now a whole new world of of robotics and people merged together. So that's really funny because where do they bury that that child by the tree? By the tree. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting because when you when you talk about viewing this through different lenses, is this is a movie that I'm not going to say it originated the term director's cut, but it popularized what a director's cut is. And if people don't know about what directors, the director's cut of, of Blade Runner is, is Blade Runner for the longest time. One of the big questions in this movie is, and again, if if you don't want to spoil alert, then get the fuck off the, off the podcast right now. I think, this, I, I think this we're, is a, we're, this di- we're done. We're, we're digging. Um, but the truth is this, is that the director's cut is they removed a bunch of uh, questions that people had is, you know, they removed in the original theatric, in the original cut that was released in, uh, in, in the States there, it's very much portrayed as a noir film uh, with the voiceover, just, just the raininess, the grittiness, the depression, the uncertainty and the conflict that the characters is facing, uh, the woman, the bad guy, this and that, blah, 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 blah. With the director's cut, they removed speculation is Deckard a replicant. This is a movie that I mean there's there's endless cuts. Endless cuts. I mean endless official there's what five official cuts? Yeah. It's there's five like... to six. So which is really funny because there's five to six regular cuts. There's five five well-known. Then there's the sixth, which would be the CBS Friday night cut. Um, when talking about that joke where you said the special, yeah. kind of spinning around, yeah. that it's really funny. So it's but, it's sorry, just to clarify. So it's it's the original cut, the work yep. cut, the international cut, uh, the CBS cut, the final cut, and the director's cut. There's a director's yeah. cut and a final cut. Jesus and then there's Christ. then there's the fan made ones like the the one you've brought up is White Dragon Cup, but I'm sure we'll yeah, get to that. 
there's the white dragon cut there's the nexus six cut the nexus six cut is the first fan-made cut i saw which introduced some new footage that i'd never seen before um white dragon cut is i can gush all over that movie that that cut i can say there's a lot of shit scenes in it but there's a lot of there's some scenes that it was like you now took a movie and i don't want to get into it just yet you now took a movie that i loved a version i loved and you just realized i realized that version sucked that version sucked. And now I've basically converted over to Final Cut and said, yeah, I actually like Final Cut more than I like any yeah. of the other ones. And which I, is really yes, it's fun. my default cut now. Yeah, what's what's interesting is that I was I was telling you is that um the final cut is now kind of like the default preferred cut. Is that it is it's like great. when when you go and look up Blade Runner, like the final cut is the one that comes is listed before the regular cut and the final cut's the only one available at least on digital that i saw in 4k the original yeah. cut is not in 4k but that one is yeah so i i had got you know for the longest time we so when i when did you for like you said you saw my final cut was your first impression first yeah. entrance into this nick yeah jim jim what was yours so yeah, I I think I the first thing I saw was a, a VHS of this that we borrowed off of a friend of ours in in junior high. Uh, Rick Hawthorne, Rick Hawthorne, little Ricky Hawthorne, uh, <laughs> and then uh, but I I remember back when uh, we were in I don't know probably in uh, elementary school or something like that that uh, we went camping down in Little Rock, Arkansas, and we saw. Um, I, I had a little flyer of uh, Apocalypse Now and uh, Blade Runner as a double feature at the local drive-in. I would wait, die and go see that. Where were you? Wait, where was I? You were there, but you know we didn't go. We didn't go oh, to go I'm see like, it. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, we were way too young at that point to see Apocalypse Now and or Blade Runner at that point. Yeah. But so, I remember yeah. seeing the flyer and going, "Oh, let, this is something to do. This looks cool." Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I remember, I remember, like you said, we borrowed a videotape and I don't even think it was like a copied. I think it might have been the CBS version, which yeah, to me recorded is, direct from the TV. Yeah. Which to me is really funny because the CBS version is the only version up until that I had ever seen that had the description of what a replicant was at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Every other every other version has that cut out, um, and well, it goes and that, right. that that falls into our theory from uh, you know, with the Lad Company, the people who produced it, you know, there was a lot of issues with uh it, with the rights for this movie, so it didn't come out on on regular VHS, buyable VHS for years and years. You it's know, so and, funny when you say when you say viable VHS in the eighties. All I when you say that, it, it's just the feeling of a clamshell pulling, <laughs> opening a clamshell. Disney clamshell, yeah. yeah. I mean, because so. you know, VHS cassettes would come out at the the price that uh, that that the rental places would pay, like yeah. eighty bucks a pop, and yeah. then after months or years, they would drop down to like twenty bucks. But I know? wonder if I almost wonder if like Laserdisc had that it had that that cbs cut on it because like it seemed like laserdisc was always was always available before um vhs because i know that you know that's like how we saw like flash gordon and airplane um and even like you know even if you get like 
get hold of like the Empire and Empire and Star Wars and everything like that, those discs, those are more uh those are more correct to the actual uh, theatrical releases. And yeah. those are actually pretty pretty uh, pretty grail items themselves. Um it, it it's funny because all those versions now and now talking about it, it's just like all those versions will be lost. <laughs> Like tears to, and rage. Yeah, this tears this, this shit this shit just writes <laughs> itself. Um, so it's it's really funny because it, you just you don't. There's nothing like this movie. There's nothing, and I mean, let's really, let's really, like you said, this first time you ever see it, like, dude, that opening scene, of you you know, dude, you know, you know, what's coming after. You know, you know it's coming after the the first um, crawl. You know that you're gonna hear the, the harp, and you're gonna hear that that foghorn, and you're also gonna hear the flames. You're gonna hear yeah. that, and you're gonna feel that. And what is so amazing about that scene is you just look at that, and I was I was sitting there marveling at that today. Is the fact that that's all miniatures and practical effects. Well, and who else and how, but Douglas Trumbull could pull that off? But how amazing! How amazing is the pan on that with the flames, with the spinners. And if anyone doesn't know, the spinner is probably one of the greatest. Vehicles. It's the cars. It's the flying cars. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the flying yeah. cars. Which to me, it I'm was like, the DeLorean before the DeLorean. <laughs> but that's that's and the only issue I have with the spinner is why, why couldn't they just make the wheels fold in on the front? You know, when they take off, like it's really stupid. I mean, the, but hey, the fact that they pull that off at all is like the spinners me, look great, dude. The spinners look amazing. great for what that effect is in 1982. They're amazing, and if you go in. If you go in and you look in the cockpit when when Gaff and, and Deckard are riding in it, and you look at the display on it, amazing Same display from Alien. Is it? It is. is. It? it is. Yeah, the nice. purge and all that. Yeah, just amazing. Um, I mean, and even even just as they're panning into the Tyrell building, which this is probably one of the things that irritates the shit out of me is when they do that <laughs> that pan in to the to the Tyrell building. They pan back out real fast, like this weird like glitch of it <laughs> of the of the, the the room. It's really weird, and you just go in and it's just it's such a sight to be seen that like this in eighty two. This is an amazing, this is absolutely an amazing shot because of just all the detail in a in a miniature scale. Which to me, I didn't twenty forty nine for the longest time I, I just avoided it i just i saw it in the theater i didn't really pay too much attention it wasn't until i found out that they did practical effects they did miniature uh miniature work on it that i go holy shit actually they is... did something they call bigatures did they yeah but yeah. It, regardless yeah. regardless that was the first time i sat there and i was like i was like okay now this thing has respect on it and just like you, just like you said, as we all know, this movie's shot at night with the with the rain. Yeah, I can only think of one scene during the day, and that's the scene where they're interrogating Rachel for the first time, and they're like, "It's too bright in here; <laughs> it needs to yeah. be darker." Yeah. No, so but they... in in that instance, one of the reasons why it's bright, they're at the top of those pyramid shaped buildings. Yeah. Because it's you're in Tyrell's quarters. You're in Tyrell's 
apartment or his, his business office. It's a penthouse. Right? And yeah, exactly, exactly. The people and, that are rich get to be above all the, all the darkness, above all the the the, you know, smoke and everything the layer that's down of smog that covers and the bottom. But and that's that's the other thing is like in twenty forty nine, it's shot during the day. The most of it's in the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, as so and it's been it's improved a little bit. It's well, yeah, I think it got a little bit brighter, but. <laughs> Just that conjecture is, is amazing, and which which I'm really glad that with 2049 they didn't try to be um, that they did take it into its own thing. But we can get into that later. Um, but that's the thing is you go into in you know they show like you said we go in and this is the first time we see Leon and and let me tell you about the first thing I think all good things are coming to my mind about my mother, my that, mother that that line. So that's that's really interesting. So let's let's talk about that scene real fast. And I brought this up to Jimmy. Is the fact that Holden is so similar to Deckard? Absolutely. That, it, that it, I mean, down to his 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 candor and his annoyedness and his stoicness, um, but his asshole charm that he's got. Um his haircut and even the tone of his voice you go why is that in the in the that begs the question is holding a replicant a temp plant would be the well a what what if he's the template he's the the template oh okay so holden's like the real deal yeah but i thought holden was supposed to take over for deckard yeah, hold no, it, he, hold he it. Was. He took he took over for for Deckard after. I'm just I'm just throwing in stupid lore knowledge of, of what that word <laughs> Template. is. Template, great, thanks. Um, so that's the thing is you just you don't notice that, you know, because he's such basic cop. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's such a basic. He's like, he's got he's got a men's regular haircut. He's he smoke. You know, he's just a basic dude. But you know, and that's really funny is that. Again, we get into, you know, you get into Leon and you get into that Voight count machine where they're looking at the eyes. And which is really funny because we open we open the movie with an eye in which we're assuming it's Roy Batty's eye. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I'm getting at. God of it was it's never said whose whose eye it is. It's you know what it's me, that I, I always was, thought it was yeah, I always I thought, thought it was Holden's eye. I thought it was See, I think it's Batty's eye because he's he's sitting there. I would think it's Holden because I feel like it's Holden that we see flying to the, to the to the pier and looking and looking over the city. Yeah, at that c- point. Well, and also because it's it's seemingly a real eye. It's not one of the reflective replicant eyes. And yeah, oh, that's a good if, point. If, but, if, if Ridley Scott and Harrison Ford are going to tell us that he's a replicant, then. But here's the thing: is I guess like not. even. <laughs> Even Leon, you don't see the reflection in his eyes at yeah. all. You never see it. And what's really funny is there's only there's only two people that possess a weapon in the movie, it, like their own weapon, and that's that's um, Leon and and Deckard. Those are the only two that, that ever have a weapon. Rachel fires Deckard's gun later on. Um, which, if anyone's got a theory on why the hell Deckard's gun has two triggers, fucking tell me, please, because I can't figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it's really funny because if you look at the city, it's never told to us, but it, it, it's post-World War Three, 
it's overcrowded um and that's the other thing is like holden holden's perfect if you look at him he's he's a pretty much a perfect individual and anyone that's a human anyone that's a human being there's something fucked up about them yeah and the, they all have a malformity the book do androids dream of electric sheep which is like very 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 loose for for the adaptation purposes of this but a yeah. lot of those details are borrowed from there yeah there's world war it's called like world war trentium or something it's like some weird name world war yeah. terminus or something like that but yeah that, that so destroys the... the planet everything gets kind of irradiated people look fucked up and weird and then animals are gone yeah animals, animals are gone, gone yeah. is kind of the big one that yeah and that's the thing is that they don't really movie, ever say it but like it's it's definitely implied that like just animals are just kind of gone that's the thing is that you sit there and there's two things that are prevalent during this entire movie it's eyes and animals because eyes are the window of the soul and humans are empathetic towards animals and those those are our two those are kind of our two weaknesses as as human beings there's no empathy in an android's eyes they don't possess a real eye and they they don't have empathy towards any animals and that's that's actually hmm. seen later on with the discussion with Rachel and Deckard is just her disposition towards animals oh yeah the, you the, you see a spider i'd kill it it's just the wasp. immediate reaction yeah, yeah. The, the wasp and so the only there's absolutely no connection towards an animal because they realize that an animal is just it's it's another thing it's another byproduct it's another it's another machine yeah. um or even even we, leon's response to like you know what you know what a tortoise is you're he's just like completely indifferent he, he, towards this thing and he just doesn't understand yeah like <laughs> what this question has to do with anything yeah, and every question during interrogation always has to do with animals, if not about, you know, there's the the lesbian human interaction. Yeah, human interaction, which is really interesting too. What's really weird about this movie is that it's the interrogation scenes between Leon and Holden, Bryant and Deckard, Rachel and Deckard, and then the interview between Tyrell and, and Roy that are more of the meat and potatoes, other than the action of the movie. Yeah. So that and it focuses on the human side of that, which is really super interesting. Um and it it's just it's pretty it's pretty neat <laughs> in talking about going back to the original thing is that the shit that got cut out that we never even saw in those like in those real cuts. Um and Jimmy, you know. There is a question on like the white dragon cut. There's a, there's a, there's, it had a lot more footage that we never saw before. Um, and there's still speculation if it's real, real deal footage, but if it is real deal footage, it really, it just took 30 some odd years of me loving a movie and just dumped it on its ass. Um, <laughs> because like there's things that we never knew. Like we never knew that Bryant was the head of replicant detection and he's not the real deal. We never got to see the wise ass side of Deckard. Um, and him being an asshole towards people, really, other than maybe once. Um, but he wasn't even trying to be an asshole. He wasn't. Even, he was just being whatever. 
I I feel like any scene where he doesn't have to have professionalism, you do see a bit of an asshole in him. Like, the way he treats Rachel outside of, like, the Tyrell building, the way he treats uh, Abdul Ben Hassan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, The snake dealer. (laughs) Yeah. Which is uh, currently Al's display name for uh, the listeners. (laughs) Yeah, so that's, that's the thing, is that we... So... You go into, we never saw that. We never saw that when Deckard went and got interrogated by by Brian. There's, we never saw. It's really funny because Brian's talking to him, and as we we discussed a couple times this week, there's there's a major plot hole <laughs> up until the up until the final cut is that. There's a lot of questions. There's some questions that need to be asked. It's, when time, I, it's when... time to turn to my sixth replicant note page. <laughs> Which is really interesting because they said that, you know, in the original cut, they say there's six replicants. One got fried. There's five. But then, you know, there's five left. And then it's like, okay, where's It leads to a bunch of little continuity errors that are yeah, scattered go, oh, throughout the oh, film. So let's let's get into that. So originally in the script, there was a another replicant by the name of Mary, um, who was going to be killed at some point um, rather viciously by Deckard, from what I had read. Like, she's she is cowering in fear as as uh, he he guns her down. And it's, like, the, the way I, it was described in the script blurb that they had was just, like, it was rather brutal for the rest of kind of what we see of Deckard. So there's her, and during this fight, he actually gets like a scratch, and uh, in one of the scenes, you can you can see that he has the scratch, but there's no like reason for him to have the scratch, and it's because of this cut fight scene. So, okay, so this is the question, and I've heard this rumor. I don't know if it's a rumor. I don't know what the factoid is that this movie was not even actually finished being written as they're filming it. Like there are so many revisions going on at one one time. Maybe I don't know. Well, oh, the, they just... the the thing I found the reason why they cut Mary. There was a writer strike going on. That's yeah, I did hear that. That's what I heard, and then we didn't even get to see what Hodge. They didn't even yeah. get into the other well, guy. Hodge were... gets fried. Yeah, so Hodge is the guy yeah. who gets fried, and he they were originally going to have a big opening, showing the replicants all escaping from this colony, and they just decided to cut that and go with the. Uh, little text blurb at the beginning which uh for yeah you know money saving measures i could see why they would go with something like that yeah and it's it's really funny because like like you said there's so many continuity errors in this movie and there's so many holes in that when you do start seeing the the found footage the the deleted footage you start going huh like really like even those 45 seconds you know, it could be 30 seconds, it could be 45 seconds, whatever. It could be 15. It could be one, a one line and it changes. Um, and one of the things that, that was really amazing to me is, so like I said, with Bryant being, had a repl- replicant detection and the question of being Holden is Holden a replicant and then the everlasting question of whether Deck is a replicant. One thing that got cut out is the fact that Bryant knows who, Bryant, they, Bryant's a dirty cop. And Gaff's just a piece. He's just a scummy dude just trying to make his way up. So with Brian being head of replicant detection, and he's, they said he knows things about people. 
So he know, and that to me goes, if that was put in there, that would automatically imply that that he knows there's a replicant on his squad. So he sends, you know, he's talking to Deckard and he says to him, he says, hey, go over there to go to Tyrell, talk about, talk to this, you know, put the machine on it. And then you say, he, Deckard says a line, well, if the machine doesn't work, and Bryant looks at him, and the original takeaway bef- before that, before that, that line, it's almost like it has like a sexual tone to it. Like kind of like, you know, get it out of her. <laughs> Something like that. But it's just, you go, holy shit. And before he starts interrogating, and before he starts talking to, to Deckard, he says, when Deckard tries to walk out of things, he says, you know, I was quick when it came in. I'm twice, twice as quick now. And he says, stop. You know the score. If you're not cop, you're little people. It takes a totally different tone, meaning we are we are the supreme above anyone else. So now he, he goes, oh, then you go, okay, well, did he get upgraded? So now he's twice as fast, rather than figuratively speaking. So he goes over and he starts putting the machine on her, the white comp machine, um, which is one of the coolest interrogation machines that we've seen um, in technology in this in this. It's a it's a dumb lie detector. Uh, it's meant to detect empathy, and and that's how they can. If there's no empathetic response from a replicant, that's how you know that the it's a replicant. That's the dead giveaway. So he goes over there, and now it's just, when he says, "If the machine doesn't work, it takes a different tone." As you go, Bryant's going, "Oh shit! Do they have Nexus Seven? Like, do they have a better version than us?" Meaning. Are the rich and powerful above the cops at this well, point? Because is is, are we past the nexus phase altogether? Yeah, because that's the I, thing is there's only two there's only two places in this movie that are sparse. There's absolute everything else is shit cluttered and heaped, even from inside a vehicle. That's the police station, and that's Tyrell's penthouse. Those are the only two places that have places any type of authority. Of, that what. Well, Exactly, that are spaciousness and it shows wealth. So we go in. Can, and I, goes, can I just say I I thought that the the question of the Voicomp machine working or not working was more a question of okay, this is this post World War Three world where a lot of equipment is just kind of hodgepodge together, and there is a question of whether or not that is reliable at all because it's you know a, a lot of electronics may have been fried. So that's the thing is that you, you bring that up. So do you remember the scene when the when the the little the little folks, the time bandits, jump on top of his his uh his start car. like stealing the Yeah, they the, start messing thing with the, messing with his car. Yeah. They, I think they steal his Voight cop the Voight cop machine off the back of the machine. Oh, do, the is that car. what they steal? I think that's what they I think they get his briefcase. But so he goes over. And now you look at it, you go before when before when we saw it. In, the, in a regular cut, you go, this is just a cop interrogating this replicant, whatever. You look at Tyrell and he's looking at them and he says, you're thinking it's just like, hey, how impressive is my machine? Like, is it, can it fool a regular person? Before you start thinking of it in this, I started thinking of it in this way, is that they say, he's, he's doing comparison. Like, do I have a better model than the police? Are we one up? Are we above the police? And again, this is such an insane uh, scene. It's a really, really great scene. 
because like as you see it this is probably only one of the, the only times we ever see rachel composed in in her element and that pristine controlled <laughs> yeah before she had the truth rocker world yeah so that's the thing is so as he's every, again every question is about animals except for like one and <laughs> so he's he gets in he asks all the questions and she says yeah the kid shows you his butterfly killing jar i'll take him to the i'll take him to the doctor because that's what we believe needs to happen is a wasp crawling on your arm i'll kill it i think the, so then he asks he asks her about showing her uh, the husband has a picture of a a naked woman he shows that he likes it he puts it on the wall whatever that scene right there is one of the most crucial scenes because you start to see the connection between Deckard and Rachel. And it's the only time she takes his, her eyes off of him. Like when he's like, she's like, I should be enough for him. And he shrugs it off and she kind of gets like sort of disappointed in a way. And yeah. like, there's a, there's a connection and it's, it's broken at that point. But he's falling for it at the same time. And the only other time, if you if you think about it, the only other question that she doesn't answer is when it has to do with a human interaction and, and an animal interaction. Because now it's you're they're eating boiled dog. But it's like, is it a real dog? You know what I mean? If you think about that, that's a question of yeah. those are people of means. Can anybody who are afford eating, real dog? Yeah. No one can afford real dog. And she doesn't know how to do it because it's it's an empathetic question. It's a it's it borders on a lot of emotions. Yeah. And she can't answer it. And he leaves. She he asks her to leave and she gets upset. She kind of gets really like super annoyed, like that, like, like, oh shit. Like you know what I mean? Tyrell asks her to leave. Yeah. And it's really, it's really odd. Um, and she gets disappointed, genuinely disappointed. That's the only other time. It's, I, uh, I, you know, I'd say that's when she starts to get like nervous. She's like, oh. So, and that's the thing is that, and that's why it's such a, an insane scene, is because you start to see her wavering a bit. Yeah. So I was like, um, but the lighting in that scene also shows that she almost looks like she's got cataracts, or but that that kind of was our tell. Yeah. Yeah. To the viewer that oh no she is a replicant and there's no question it, about it. as well as well as the owl the owl's got the cataracts yeah yeah so but what's really funny is I was talking to Nick about this is that that owl so until I found out what really what that owl was really about because we all knew that we all know that each person in this movie yep represents some sort of an animal of some sort Leon's a turtle Roy's the dove Chris is a raccoon. Tyrell is an owl. Uh, Rachel's a black widow. Decker's the unicorn. Gaff is, I don't know, I think he's a lizard. Well, there's a hit. Is, there's, Zora's a snake, right? She's a snake. Bryant has a picture on his desk, on the lamp. It's a, it's a picture lamp. And someone has either shot a rhino or a hippo. Hmm. I'll in have it. to go back and look at that. You can't tell, but I, think, I pretty much think it's a rhino. So he and goes that in. says something about his status too. Like if yeah. he has that photo, I mean. So he's 
but you, you can't really tell. The only reason why I think it's a rhino is because it's you can see, it's a guy kneeling down in like the grass. So just kind of something big and gray and like just, well, you know, the fact that it looks like that in a world where there's no animals left. But that's that's the really weird part is the fact that all this all the photos in this are like 20s photos. Hmm. Yeah, like yeah, like when when you show the photos of like his family and stuff on the piano, they're all like super old. Yeah, it's it's odd, but then so then you get into he starts Tyrell starts, you know we we see the owl and the owl is the owl the reason why the owl is so important is the owl is Tyrell's first Tyrell the owl is Tyrell's first venture into uh, replicant technology and his first successful venture into replicant technology because that's is when he lost his owl as a kid and buried it you know as whatever lore suggests or you know says is that the owl is a crowning achievement because it's the first success that he's ever had that's why the owl is is so prevalent throughout the whole thing and yeah, as I, I mean, talked, it's to even you, the corporation logo is an owl. Yeah, and as I talked to you before, I said that between the thing is with Tyrell, Tyrell still has empathy to him. He hasn't been so eaten up by by corporate greed or whatever that he actually he still can see. And there's times where you're like, is he blind in a way when he's talking to Batty at one point? Where Wallace in Wallace in in twenty forty nine is completely blind. He's blind, but he can, and that's that's the difference. Is that you see that between the two of them is that and he uses Tyre, his technology to see. Tyrell still has empathy to him. So as he's watching this, he's watching comparatively between the the LAPD's replicant and Rachel, his replicant, pro, his project. The next step, as he calls her, she's a project. She's the next step of evolution. She's next to seven. That's the thing. Is he's watching that and he's doing almost like comparative notes and to see the interaction. And the fact is that the Nexus Six cannot cannot pick up on on Rachel. He can't he can't detect it. They can't detect their own. So, and then it's just really, it's really funny. And then. The cutscenes where, you know, if this, like I said, and I'm taking it as these are a real deal, is that the cutscenes finally s reveal that, you know, Tyrell implanted that stuff into Rachel's head. Yeah. Because we taught, she says, Decker starts spouting memories back to her, and he's like, where the hell did he get implants? Like, the They're implants. Yeah. 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 So that's the thing is you just sit there and you're like, what the fuck? But we, we always took joke. it. It's a bad joke. <laughs> but you always took it as it was there and you just understood somehow he knew this, but yeah. he, it even said that he, he explained it to him, but not it, but it was like a glance over in a way. Sure. So it, but, and that that's when you take 30 years of this loving this movie and now you put a new spin on it. Like, Holy shit, dude. Well, like even, like that, even 2049 kind of runs with that theme. It's like, you know, that that movie's all about the memory implants. That movie's like yeah. all about yeah. the consequences of putting memories in something that really kind of shouldn't have memories, especially ones like that that kind of like 
developmental. It doesn't start from a place of intelligence like a, a normal computer AI. It thinks it grew up. It thinks yeah. it like had a life of its own, which is so it's... dangerous in in terms of know, like let's robotics. Let's ask ChatGPT if yeah. it uh, if it had a life of its own. <laughs> so that that yeah, or... but that's the thing is you just go wow man. There's so many and and even you just it's like these things it's just like give me another film that does this yeah you i can't think of any i can't think of any movie that looks like this i can't but which is really really funny this movie is such is its own thing it's its own pinnacle but it's also like so influential like it's then, it's everywhere but nothing is quite like it but then and no one tries to be it that's the thing is that the it's almost like when they when they announced 2049, it was like, oh, what are you doing? Like, don't. Yeah. And I was, dude, I was. I well, was I mean, like, that's why Villeneuve took the job. He was like, I love Blade Runner. And like, I'm going to take this because I don't want someone else to screw it up. Yeah, but that's yeah. the thing is I was, so, I was so skeptical. I was like, why are you fucking with this? Please do not. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And I walked. I was I was happy with it. Don't get me wrong. I was. Um, but that's the thing. You just go, this movie's so influential, but you start going, yeah, but it lifted from, from Metropolis. Even when I talked about it on, on what's it called? I talked about it on the James Bond episode, like something simple and, and stupid. Like I said, when you, when you know a movie down to people's mannerisms and you know, people, you can hear a song and you know exactly what, what, and not even be in the room and you know exactly what scene they're on. That's, 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 that's an obsession. <laughs> That's that's a that's that's when it becomes part of you, and you know a uh, gap is about to do origami of. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is you sit there and you go, like I said, there's only other one. There's one other movie, and that's that's Coney and the Barbarian. But that's because the scene is really cool. But here, here here's the thing: is that when you can take a movie, and it's not that, like as Jimmy said to me today, yeah, but are these are these cut scenes official? Whether it's official or not, it becomes official in your head because it expands the story and it makes it more, it makes it more in depth and lovable. Yeah, and that that's that goes beyond the whole is it canon bullshit. Yeah, that, pe that people love pulling on Star Wars. No, I don't give a fuck if it's canon or not. This made the story more real to me. Yeah, and that it explained the story even better, and it. When you can explain the story even better, that's when it becomes like, yeah, love. That's when you love a movie, and that's the thing is that I can't find another. I don't want to find another movie that that's this. Like you said, you're always they're always looking for ways to link it, and the only one I will actually ever say that it's really officially linked to it is the Aliens franchise. Is the yeah. Wayland the Wayland Yutani, um, Wayland Yutani, whatever. Even then, Whatever that's pretty iffy with like the timeline of those movies. But but I'll give them. It's still it's still kind of there because because well, especially in the prequels, it's like not only are there like little stupid things like oh the gun looks the same in in Alien Covenant as they do in uh, Blade yeah Runner, like but even raised by wolves like there's the gun. yeah in in Alien Covenant and Prometheus at least there's those same questions of like god and a machine and humans and what 
kind of all of those things mean to one another. But even and, so, even like look at like Westworld. Yeah, you go is, you know, look at like they took like did Westworld. It's that yeah. It's that incredibly intriguing dividing line between being and human being that it's trying to define. But and it's not it's, even that. It's like even if even if Westworld came out before, like I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about the Yul Brynner thing, and and of course I'm going back to the show. Even if Westworld came out was released before Blade Runner, which it was, uh, I'm assuming it was seventy three. <laughs> A little bit, but, nine, um, nine years on it. <laughs> It it doesn't matter. It's like it's still it's it's a it's, different it's question. Still, it's it's a it's different still, it's, it's not as empathetic towards its robot adversaries. Yeah, if but if you it's even like, want to call them robots, which like, is I, that's something I want to get into. Like, what is a replicant? Because I I've had this kind of debate. Ninety nine percent identical. <laughs> I don't think it's a robot. I think it's artificial flesh. It's artificial it's, organs and flesh that like another human being has made another human being out of things that really shouldn't be what a human being is made out of but because we've when, controlled well, science and I think so much, that that's what we can create a person <laughs> i think when that I that's that scene in in hong's eye laboratory kind of proves that point yeah but know? he says because... batty says it he says we're not we're not computers jf's we're not we're not computers jf we're physical he says that yeah. dude he, he says it but that's the thing is that with that accent yeah no he has a way better accent but it's just <laughs> like you said you, you go that's the question is what makes a replicant because they don't when when deckard let's let's fucking face it dude that that fucking scene where he where Pris attacks him yeah he he she attacks him that's one of the coolest scenes in the world and it's one of the most horrifying scenes that fucking scream that comes out of her oh yeah. where he where he puts two holes in her and that that kicking and shit that she does holy jesus man like that is That's, just sheer just terror drives home that point that like what makes this not a human being if it's been implanted with these memories like this is you are pretty much shooting a person here and there's that in, you it the the line is so thin at this point that it's basically transparent. Yeah, and that's the thing is you just go, like I said, but they, you know, and then it gets into okay. So then, another thing that's really neat is okay. So remember in Alien, yeah. I mean, you're gonna remember this. Yeah. <laughs> when the that android, what's Ash. that guy's name? When Ash, when that crap comes out of Ash, the white white stuff though yeah the the same stuff comes flying out of out of pris as well don't you know does it i because i feel like now, when, now when it's i'm like, questioning now i'm questioning when, because when they like blow the hole now from, i'm like, questioning front, because that front shot because, where she's crashing through the glass i think it's like a big red stain that comes out of the jacket it's no, not white pris when pris oh, pris, pris pris right yeah. right, right sorry but then i'm i'm questioning because like even when roy goes in and he like you know he gets really upset about it he and he kisses her he's got blood on him yeah but that's the thing okay so you know the scene when when jf and him go over to they go over to um they go to tyrell they go to tyrell which the original cut still has my favorite my favorite rendition 
of when he comes up and talks to Tyrell for the first time. But it like here's the thing is that they go to talk to Tyrell. What defines that first version? Oh, you don't know? What is it? I like I said, I'm just really not that familiar with the original cut. I've seen he it maybe says, once. The original cut, he says, I want more life, fucker. Hmm. And he, he calls him a fuck he calls him a fucker in it. Every other version he calls him father. It's it's immature, but I love it. <laughs> because Well, even that might say something about like that's human being he's... versus not is is yeah. the power to fornicate. Yeah, but then he well it also shows he's it's how, not the CBS version. <laughs> it shows how pissed off he is at him. But it, it, that's the thing, is he goes over to him, right? And he's going up in the cutscene, he's got one of the cutscenes, Roy is holding JF by the by the collar. He's just now he's he's taken him as his prisoner. He brings him in. And if you're not listening, he says, stay. And he and JF is so terrorized at this point. He goes over, he talks to him. And he he Tyrell go talk calls Roy the prodigal son. This is really interesting because when he calls him the prodigal son, does that mean that and he shows so much affection towards towards Roy? Does that mean that Deckard is the favored son? Hmm. Well, I feel because like because of because of what he gave to Deckard. That that no. Roy is Roy has been forsaken and everything, like I well, but... I think it, an interesting aspect of that is like if you want to go back to the religious stuff, Roy is almost Jesus. Roy is, you know, he's yeah. carrying the weight of replicant kind of the the weight of being a replicant on him. Hell, what does he stab himself with at the end? It, well, he yeah, puts he, he a nail his through his hand. Yeah, and that's really funny because, like, when they get into like blackout, he's almost seen as as like the savior. Yeah. So he so he goes over and he's talking to him, right? And he realizes he's he's not getting anywhere. And he, you know, one of the most, again, one of the most brutal scenes in the movie. Um, Crushing what? What when his he eyes. crushes, he crushes his eyes out and everything. So, JF takes off, blah blah blah, and we don't ever really see it. But as he's going down in the elevator, this is when his crisis of faith really starts starts to kick in. Like before, he was pissed, and now he's starting to kind of have a like a crisis of faith because he's in the, he's in the elevator. He's just murdered JF. He's got JF's his, his, you know, his puffer jacket, his life vest in his hand. Um, the Marty McFly life vest, <laughs> but he, he, um, and the computer stops. He stops the elevator, the same one that the, the way it stopped it going back up. And he says, he hears her voice and he says, mother, and he's really, really fucked up over the fact that his he just killed his father. He doesn't have his mother, right? And he doesn't he doesn't have it. And that's when he starts having this fucked up crisis of faith. You know, following all that, it's just like he is he's having a crisis of faith because he has killed God. He has he has killed the thing that would to him represent God. 
And so yeah, him, him and being that savior is, you know, like I was saying, the kind of like Jesus metaphor for it all is like, and that's really funny because like if you, he's destroyed like, this this weight. Like, if you know, you really want to dig into that comparison, you look at what Jesus kind of means to the faith is like all of the, all of the sin is now alleviated. He's died for it. He is he is making the human race human almost in some weird kind of way but it's for but it's for robots it's it's the robot equivalent of kind of stripping away this this guilt of god and this this idea of like choice and that's and that, the thing that is... idea of choice going along with extended lifespans and the fact that these these people want the free will to to do whatever they want and be be their own person and that's really funny because like now the empathetic god is dead yeah and what's what wallace calls all his people his angels doesn't he yeah yeah he, he calls them his angels and that's really funny is that that he does this and now as he like even when he goes back and he sees press you can see that's like the first time he has any type of like sadness to him like that's the first time we see it how sad he is and yeah, like he even called Decker. He's like, "You're supposed to be the good guy, aren't you? The good one, aren't you? The good one?" But you just blew away. You you blew her away, and this and that. And it's yeah. just like you said. He's just really getting into it. It, it. It's super interesting. And it's just he goes, he goes like he's like he's like teetering because it's almost like two people. It's like he's on this rampage to kill off Deckard, but at the same time, it's like a maniac, and he's. He's like losing it, but even towards the end when he pursues him up until the very end, and he's got that dove in his hand. Where did he get the dove, by the way? Where did he? Well, find there were a bunch dove? of birds. There were a bunch of birds in the building. I, I know, but I, I like don't remember. I don't remember where he found the that dove. Was one of the birds. But he, yeah. So and it, I just was watching how he was holding. It. He was holding it like a piece of chicken. So, it was great. Okay, so he's coming out of J.F. Sebastian's apartment, right? Yeah. Did JF make the dove? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Or did too, he at sorry. least own the dove? And that's the thing is we never really think about the fact that, that it's fake either. I mean, I just didn't think about it until now. And if you think about that, it's like, shouldn't he like you go, how did he get hold of a dove so easily? <laughs> but then again, they're not they're not skittish like a regular yeah. animal. He's got fast reflexes. He also yeah. does. He's got super fast reflexes. But he um that's the thing is he's just he's going he's teetering and teetering and teetering and then you get into one of the coolest scenes in the world which from what i understand this is probably one of the ones that almost killed um that almost killed harrison ford <laughs> and which is like one of the most unbelievable scenes and people who know it know it is when he's when he's just about to like lose it you know and and fall off the off the building he's just holding and holding and that's the thing is man those landscapes are so badass yeah and this is what this is that what's his name's um jf's building and that's around this around the street from you right around the corner yeah oh what's it called the bradbury building yeah yeah bradbury building. that what an amazing piece of architecture yeah what an absolute piece of architecture well, that with uh, with the kind of matte paintings alongside it making it even look like even bigger when he's like crawling on that outside which just, the whole design of the the world just sid needs like kind of direction for the it's just so good but that and that's the thing is just you go 
you know, as he grabs him, right? And that's the thing. He he grabs him. He ends up and, saving him. This yeah, he, this he person he him. should be so resentful towards. And that's the thing is like he knew his name. That's what drives me nuts is he knew his name and you go, not that it's a big thing, but it it, it kind of is. It's like, you know his name, dude. How do you know his name? And you just go, whatever, he knows his name. But it makes you think one of the coolest scenes in the world. This I, I've said this. The redemption scene. <laughs> the redemption scene is the whole, every scene is cool. And it, it's just, he grabs him and he pulls him up and then he gives the speech. It's such a beautiful speech. It's so good. And it's it, that's the thing is like he improvised a lot of that too. He started like improvising and it's just like like whether you know it conjures up that speech conjures up so much imagery. You know, sunbeams off the, the coast of Orion, Tannhauser Gate, these things, and you're like, wow, that's really cool. Cause and he says that I've seen sea beams off the coast of Orion. In your head, that that just conjures up so much imagery, and you're like, "Wow, what is that even like, dude? That that's some cool shit." And it's it's kind of in that moment where that that line becomes almost broken, because that's like what what that is is he's describing human memory. He's... And that's the thing is like, and the only other the only other line, the only other line that I can say that he absolutely kills it on. Is when he goes into Hong and he says, "Fiery the angels fell." How fucking cool is that? That that, and you just go, Rucker Howard is the fucking shit. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like if you can't if you can't look at this thing and be like, even if this isn't technically a, a person, person, this is an individual with memories and and their own individual experiences, and you cannot deny that. In, if you've in only seen that. what I've seen with your eyes, yeah. yeah but it, Two times, two times they say the, the line "time to die." Yeah, and Wake that's up. Le- time to die. That's the best. That's such a good line. Wake up, time to die. That and then, and then he says, he says it again. Um, Batty says it again. He says, "Time to die." And it's so. First he says, "Time enough," and then later yeah. on he says, "Time to die." And so it, it's just. And he says time enough when he first starts kind of feeling the the like yeah when his hands are cramping his, up his hand. yeah and it's dude give me another movie because I can't you can't you can't, you can't. I mean dude. that's why we're doing this episode that's why it's gonna be two hours long <laughs> it's this and this is, is why we it's you, this is why we've had so much time between episodes because we wanted to treat this the way that it should be treated. You know, and, and because it, it just strikes home with so many of us. I mean, all three of us for, you know, very different reasons. It's it, it's just it, so dissectable and intriguing and irreverent and just like, however you want to pull this apart, like you're going to have your own unique perspective on, on at least something when it comes to Blade Runner. Because no, I, I don't think any two people come out of this the same. No, they don't. And it, it, Especially because they might be watching different versions. <laughs> <laughs> but is that's that? the thing. Is it even... That's the thing is just... You can't, you can't deny the impact it has. That even if it borrowed from something else, it's... Even if it borrowed something from someone else, it, it set the bar. <laughs> and that's the thing is this... 
just like when we were talking about like we were talking about the we brought up Kubrick and I brought up I brought the episode where we talk about Kubrick and when he's talking we talked about the fact that he does all the different genres and no one that's the thing everyone expected everything to be different and it's just like well what's the next you know is Kubrick going to do another 2001? Is he going to do it? That wasn't ever a question as far as that's my takeaways. That was never the question. Everyone was waiting for Ridley Scott to do another Blade Runner. And thankfully he didn't. And that what's really interesting is I thought about this today. And the question is like, how much, how much did Kubrick influence Ridley Scott on this? As well as the, both these movies, the soundtrack have, they both have one really quirky little dumb song on them where clockwork orange has clockwork orange has the lighthouse keeper song mm. <laughs> and this mm. one has the one more kiss one more, one more yeah. kiss yeah yeah and they both have that it's kind of like out isn't of that place. the country time lemonade song i don't know but it's just <laughs> but they both like those songs are so out of place but both those soundtracks clockwork and and the Vangelis soundtrack. It's, it's played a, a very odd place here too. It's like he they play it when he's like going to get alcohol. Yeah. So and that's and what's really funny is like look at how much there's things in it that we go, hey, how did what did Blade Runner influence? And the the first thing that, that I remember and everyone got excited when Blu-ray players came out was everyone was like, oh, it's going to be able to do the Blade Runner uh photo feature <laughs> like you know what i mean we're gonna yeah. be able to see it from different yeah like we're gonna be able to see it from different angles and i never saw that come to fruition but one thing that always cracks me up in never this movie, will <laughs> one thing that always cracked me up in this movie is the fact that there's an atari sign like atari yeah movie. well i i, I really was, i appreciate that they brought that theory. back for 2049 there was a theory for a while that was actually holding pretty true that any company that appeared in Blade Runner went out of business with the exception of really? Pan, Am, Pan Am shows up, right? At yeah. some point. Atari and Pan Am. Coca-Cola was the exception. I mean, how many... There's so many things, man, that just... You can't... I can't... Dude, this... It, 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 this movie deserves its own show and there's actually there's actually another there's actually another there's a podcast called shoulder shoulder of orion that's that does a hell it's of a just job, about dude. blade runner oh my god they do yeah and they do they do one called perfect organism and i'm not dropping names but they, dude they just do such a fantastic fantastic job on on cutting scenes apart on this and i'm like i'm really jealous of, of what they do um it's very inspiring but it's just this show can't be summed up in one episode in one conversation this is like i said this is going to be a conversation that this is a lifelong conversation this is a this is a movie that absolutely absolutely has to be witnessed by you don't know science fiction if you don't know this movie in my book yeah this is this and is it this is this is required at least on a TV, but if you can see it in theaters, uh, that that is the preferable experience. Because you know what, I wanna I wanna kind of bring bring back what you were saying about the first time seeing this. I honestly don't know if I was like 
completely on board the first time I saw this, and I think that was simply because I was a dumbass kid watching it on a laptop. And, you know, I, I saw this in theaters in maybe 2019, I think, at, at mm -hmm. the Enzion. Yeah. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. I was like, yeah, no, there really is nothing quite like this. Like, that's I've when never... it really sunk in is, is when I saw it in theaters. was like, I've, this is yeah, a unique I've never product seen... all on its own. So I've never seen, I've never actually seen it on screen. Oh. Oh man! If yeah. any words, if any words, replaying it ever, go and go and take that chance. Call off, call off sick at work that day if you need to. Yeah, now it's would so you fun. would you see it back in like a on film or would you see it digital? Oh, it was on film. I, oh, I'd see that motherfucker on film in a heartbeat. It was yeah, mine. Mine was up. on film because that's you know that Enzion always prides themselves. They're always on film. Oh, yeah, Enzion. Yeah. So here's here's the thing is like you brought up so like Jim you brought up um fifth element and I thought about that today I really thought about that and like like Nick you brought up how colorful fifth element is and fifth element's its own thing there was a comic that I really felt it it took a lot of inspiration from from Blade Runner and it was they tried to make it a movie um with Nicolas Cage it was good but it never it never happened it was a uh, frank miller's hard-boiled mm. and even even the lead the lead character in that right down to deckard and then you look at fifth element fifth element took from hard-boiled yeah yeah a lot of stuff um it's really funny it's just like you said like things that even like um elysium the whole idea of you know the rich are up in up in the clouds and the the poor are down on the ground and like scavenging and and sickly um and that's the whole point of that it's just those those things that can't you can all draw them back to blade runner at some time but i'm glad that none of them try to try to draw blade, uh, blade runner to them yeah you know what i mean because it's, it's it's futile to try and recreate what blade runner has done and like yeah i mean 2049 is like it's kind of the exception of like i don't know how the hell that they made this work but like you should never try and touch this again i think although we'll mm. we'll see how that tv series goes what tv show uh there's a blade runner tv show on the way from amazon fucking eat oh. dick. hey if it is gaff, <laughs> I, I would want to show about gaff but you know, I mean, like, uh, you know, as a detective, you know. Well, it's gonna I be. Think... It's gonna be in the middle. I think it's gonna be a a, <laughs> like pre, a pre sequel. I think what's really is, is I think that it. What the fuck is that? A pre sequel. That's uh, it, <laughs> it, it takes it takes place in between. A Pasquale. Uh, yeah, a Pasquale. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, but that's the thing is just is oh man, yeah. It's even talking about it, being able to talk about it, my eyes just glaze over. And I and I and I really like There's the sense like, of like awe and wonder about it. No, I know what you mean. It's like Dude, this dude from those sweeping the landscape lens. shots. It's those the fucking the, they the just Japanese stick in your woman. mind. Like yeah. all of these yeah, I know what you mean. Like all of these scenes are just kind of playing in my head as we talk about Yeah, the them. world building, like, yeah. The establishing yeah, shots of everything. Okay, it's so just, it's beautiful. You, 
you talk about the world building dude how many there really isn't that big like yeah there's world building but let's really talk about the different locations in this jf's jf's building the tyrell building deckard's apartment and the white dragon and the white dragon there's like four locations. Well, it's like they make up for it by making like anything they have outside really like interesting looking and like like all the guys on the bicycles and like all the like yeah. big lit up shit and you're just like what is all of this? Yeah, dude, yeah. like the big even the base... even the blimp, the blimp, you know, advertising, you know, migrate to off-world colonies. It's like what's that? Let's what's going on over there? Let's find out. But... Yeah, even oh, the base, so- the bases of the columns, the big fat bases yeah. on the columns. Yeah, it's just. I think that there's a lot of parallels between Fifth Element and and Blade Runner in that you know you've got the floating restaurant, you know, like the like similar to the White Dragon. You see, you see his uh, apartment. You see his uh, his cab, just like you're seeing his, you know, the spinner. You're seeing. Uh, <laughs> you, you say that you, every time you say Fifth Element in the cab and everything, all I can ever think about is the fact he was the guy who holds up the 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 what's it called? The guy with the picture of the of the hallway on his head. <laughs> give me the, give me the cash. That that guy in the hallway that he makes dance. <laughs> Sorry. Negative. I'm a human popsicle. But I, I know what you mean. It's it's like it's like if they flip the lights on on Blade Runner is is what you get with Fifth Element. Yeah, that's just, what it looks like during the day. Yeah, if you if you flip the switch to to daytime, that's that that's what Blade Runner would look the like. Day shift. Yeah, but that's the thing is that you know that's one thing I really love about it. it's 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 not the industrial sci-fi like you know like like aliens per se. It's not you know it's not the the Star Warsy Star Trekky um, sci-fi per se. It's it really is its own thing. Well, it's they make this... it grounded in their own weird sort of way by tacking on all of these like heavy tones to it. I think, like, yeah, a it's it's more grounded in like you're on Earth the entire time, you're never leaving Earth, and then two, it's just like you add these like much more adult themes to this movie, and it's like it's just that much more heavy, and you just yeah. kind of have to. It's its own tone that you know Star Wars could never because they'd never kind of delve into these questions of like god and man and machine dude how 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 many days does this t- does this take place over like two days like a day yeah this takes place over like a week at most this it's it's yeah yeah I mean, you never yeah. know because it's always nighttime yeah i mean well he passes out at one point yeah <laughs> he never goes to sleep he passes out but yeah that's the thing is just we never really know how long this takes shall we say yeah you know, like I, dude, I never even knew that that the John Wick shows, the John Wick movie, took place over like two weeks straight. <laughs> like I never knew. I was yeah. like, what? what? <laughs> so I just didn't think about it. But yeah, like just think about it, you go, how long does is this really well, it's like, taking place? It's like and aliens, I, like that too. Alien takes place over like two days. But the, the whole Alien trilogy takes place over like. Minus that fifty-seven year gap, that's like two weeks of her life. If she wasn't in cryosleep, that was like two weeks of her life. No way, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it, what's really funny is that in talking about like, so you, you talk about the you know where he cut up, he cut up the regular cut, you know the regular stuff, and he he turned it into this noir film where we just didn't really, other than there's one shot where he walks away in the apartment that she's with him and you catch his eyes real fast. And if you're not, 
really familiar with it, you're not you you're not going to be looking, looking for that. But yeah, but I, at, I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, at the end of at the end when Gaff's talking to him on the top of the of the uh, the building, you know, there's the line gets the line's gone, and yeah. it it says, you know, uh, you've done a man's work, but and he says, but are you really a man? So now you, you've removed all these ideas of is replicant oh, is, does he, is say, does he say are you really a man? It's is not that something it's, he says. It's cut. So um, now now well I like what they do. I mean I like that that final line. It's you know the final line for all of all versions I think, but that kind of sums it up even more. Is so that's the thing too bad like, she won't live. That, then again, who the, does? It's between those two sets of lines. Yeah. So they, he took you took you remove all these lines, dude. Like, think about that. If you took, if you took Empire, right, and you removed, I'm your father. <laughs> he just says we're related. <laughs> Something like that. No, that's no, what's all. That's what's all. <laughs> <laughs> he got up and says, "That's what's up." <laughs> no, that shit goes <laughs> but you know you, you look like you, hand. you, t- you take it yeah your hand <laughs> you're a boy you uh oh have you ever seen God. that that thing? have you ever seen the the meme where someone took out like instead of it saying no like the comic picture of, of vader says no someone put in yeah boy <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious but um that's why I'm like cracking up. But so if you took that out, that changes the tone still. Yeah. Like that one line changes. This, that's what I'm getting at is well, like they removed that and they removed all hints of is he a replicant or not? And even like that happy ending where they go off into like where they go to Vermont and they use or wherever. The, the shining footage. They're going to Vermont or wherever they go. <laughs> to Colorado, but, apparently. I mean, you know that that is like unused shining footage, right? It's well, there we go back to Kubrick. They're going to get because weed is still legal in Colorado in 2019. <laughs> Later on, there, it's like we're going to get weed. But um, he goes, they're having a whole conversation, and she says, "You know, are you the man I love?" And he says, "Yes." And he goes, "We were." She goes, "Did you love your wife?" And he goes. I, I think so, but I don't know. And that was forever ago. And he even says, she goes, I guess we're made for each other. Now, all those lines getting cut out, if those were put in, like, think of what we would have missed. This movie would have been a shit movie. Like, yeah. if they did not remove all those lines, this movie would just be, okay, it was a really cool Harrison Ford movie. You know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't it's not hold. as it's not as mysterious when they're like kind of like poking you with the... a stick about it. Yeah, like we didn't need to spell it out, and that's the thing is I'm so thankful they didn't spell it out. And that's and so... and that's kind of why I'm mad that they have spelled it out now that both of them have now just said, "Yeah, he's a replicant." But that's the thing is like in the heyday of the internet back in the day when there was that was one of the biggest. You know, there was Points multiple conjecture. sites. Yeah. There was yeah. huge. That was oh, sites no, yeah. and chat rooms debating this, and I was like, and I wanted so bad for him, 
not to be, but now it's like, I, I, I'm glad I'm glad he did. I think because... the bottom line is that that question is simply more interesting unanswered. Yeah. When you just when you don't know which one it is, because I think you know that that's why you talk about the movie. That's why you discuss it endlessly. Is like you you want to know this answer that isn't quite there. It's like it's kind of like what we said about Kubrick movies. They offer more questions than answers, and that's, and that's what's a, interesting. Do you think that this was at all like his any type of trying to pull a Kubrick? Not exactly. I mean, I I. I think there are elements of like 2001 in here, especially because he's reusing Douglas Trumbull for the effects. That certainly has something to do with it. I don't think it it's like a full tilt. I want to be Kubrick. I don't think any 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 yeah, self respecting director ever would do that to themselves and say like, oh, I just want to be Kubrick. There's definitely influence. There's influence in in the way the sci fi feels. There's influence in the general tone of the movie. Yeah, it's just it's so. It's so its own thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's just it dude, it's Blade Runner. Oh, I wanna I wanna mention this note really fast. The editor, Marsha uh Nakashima is the lady in the she's uh, the lady on the sign. Uh no, I don't think so. But this is the first and only movie she ever edited. Well, I guess she, she did a good job. No other credits other than this. She has like a TV movie credit, and that was the only other thing that I found from her. That's the thing, is just you go You know, you were how mentioning do you, how all- do you- all the all the you know in front of the camera talent all the actors like there's there's even more just like like i've been saying sid mead's design work uh douglas trumbull's effects vangelis's score uh the editing (laughs) this lady's first and only amazing job the cinematography from uh jordan cronenworth cronenweth and you know hampton fancher's script which you know thank god he came back for 2049 because i don't think that that movie would have like been as good as it was if if his his fingerprints weren't back on it yeah and that's the thing is just look at look at like vangelis that first score that that vangelis score and even like the soundtrack is the first the first run of that soundtrack before director's cut even that's great but it's it's short as shit and even like you know and that's the thing is like this is the only movie i've ever been like oh the score dude the the Vangelis stuff is good, but even like I remember Jim got like the director's cut uh soundtrack. And I think that one even opens with the pan, you know, pan such and yeah, such. That and such and such. Yeah, that that's that's some shit. I mean, it's just this is this is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I just I mean, dude, we can sit here, we can gush all night, but I I <laughs> <laughs> that's another person you know i think we've we've been through it now like we, yeah so we've i mean talked longer than uh than the actual movie <laughs> are we gonna, yeah, i think so so i think i do want to end with one question yeah okay so they don't really have a mother yeah. right and now the father of all the replicants is dead and all the replicants are off world they're in what does that make them Thank you for listening to our uh, very long podcast on Blade Runner. Our gush fest. Our gush fest, yeah. Thank you, guys. Good night, everybody. Another thing that's really neat is, okay, so remember in Alien, 
Yeah. I mean, you're going to remember this. Yeah. <laughs> when the that android, what's Ash. that guy's name? When Ash, when that crap comes out of Ash. The white, white stuff. The, yeah. The, the same stuff comes flying out. Of, it comes flying out. The white stuff comes flying out. Um, <laughs> it it right. comes out of.